0: What's up you crazy bastards? Welcome to another week of E Crime Bites. This is where I research the court paperwork and roast the criminals so you don't have to. All right, so this week we have season 3, episode 7. This is 4 million dollars. 4 million in fake Xanax. Okay, so if you were with me on the last episode, you're probably like, "Oh my god, where what about Trickbot? You said you were going to talk about Trickbot." I had every intention of talking about the TrickBot case. I was all, I had all the links and everything already. I went and pulled the data and it said sealed. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, hopefully it's just this one document that's sealed. And I went to the next document, pulled it, sealed. And then it just kept doing that through every single document I tried to pull on this case. And I was just so distraught. I felt so bad because I really wanted to bring you a very technical one. But luckily at the exact same time, we had a listener that said, hey, could you look at this case? And I started looking at it and it fit perfectly. So I was like, I'm happy to do this case. So I just wanna say up front: if you know of a case like this that I'm gonna bring you today, feel free to bounce it my way. Now, that being said, there's a few limitations. If I can't get to the court paperwork, then I won't talk about the case. So we have to make sure that there's court paperwork so I can pull it. And that way I can use the firsthand source of what's going on with the case and not rely on news sources. I really like to bring you the firsthand knowledge in these cases and that comes through the court documentation. Now, that being said, if it's a federal case, a US federal case, the system is really, really simple to pull do- court documentation from there. So if you know that it's a federal case definitely bring it to my attention because I know of a way I can pull all documentation from there. So this particular case was a federal case, so I could pull all the documentation and that's how I'm able to bring you the story today. So with that, I'm just inviting you to submit your cases just like this one and hopefully I'll be able to cover it. Okay, so with that invite out of the way, let me go ahead and just get right into this case. So the criminal here, his name is Stephen Kamano. C-A-A-M-A-N-O, okay? And the crime we're going to be talking about, I told you off front, it was Xanax. So it's counterfeit drug trafficking. And you might immediately say, what does that have to do with electronic crime? Well, the technology here, dark web markets. So this is how he sold his drugs. So it's definitely an electronic crime that we can talk about, right? Personally, me, I like looking at these other type of cases that maybe electronic crime isn't on the forefront because you get to learn um, much more than well, about just computers, right? I mean, you get to learn, here you're gonna learn about pill presses and things like that, that you might not think you would learn on normal <laughs> electronic crime um, podcast. So that's the technology. Then with our victims, we have unsuspecting drug users, and this is because the Xanax is um, counterfeit here. But we also have pfizer because they make xanax and then there's a bunch of counterfeit xanax uh, up to the tune of about uh, four million dollars so i think by anybody's measure somebody lost money when you're talking about four million dollars and in this case pfizer would be the direct victim of losing money in this case Okay, so with all that out of the way, let's go ahead and jump into this case. Act one, meet Steven Kamano, okay? And I'm just gonna, we're gonna jump right in. In December of 2017, okay? There's this investigation and it starts. And immediately when I see that investigation starts, I start thinking, how did they know to start an investigation? I have the answer for you in this case. Customs and Border Patrol Protection agents, okay, they watch things like mail coming into the U.S. and do scans on it for, like, drugs and Cuban cigars and stuff like that. Well, they found some stuff in the mail, and they let the DEA know that there are several items in transit to this individual named Stephen Camano. That's the person I just told you about. Okay, so one of the things was a turbine wheel box pill press machine. Okay, so I got a picture of um well, I've had Steven there for a bit, but now I have a picture of th- these pill presses cuz at first I was like a turbine box pill press. I'm like, what the fuck is this thing? You know, me as a computer guy, I don't know anything about making pills, so I had to do a little bit of research into this and Here's an image of where I, when I went, how do you buy a pill press? It took me to this made in China website, literally called made in China. And here's all the different models of pill presses that you can buy from them. So if you wanted to make pills in mass, you can buy some of these, these machines. And I'm telling you, like, they're not cheap. They cost several thousand dollars, depending on what model you buy it. And I'm just scanning the prices here i see probably the lowest is about three thousand dollars that's probably the i only want to make a few pills all the way up to oh geez i see at least twenty thousand dollars in this one graphic alone and i didn't even search all the <laughs> all the machines on their website so you can spend you can either buy a car or you can buy a pill press that's like they're almost about the same cost here if you're going for the high-end Um, Stuff that you can get, I guess, is like a pro-consumer. I don't know how you categorize this. So why would somebody want a pill press? Okay. A pill press basically takes powdered form of whatever drug it is. And I say drug loosely here. This could be legal or illegal, but basically a powdered form of some kind of drug. And it makes it into a solid pill. Okay, so I'm gonna put some pictures of Xanax on your screen. Okay, the Xanax we're gonna be talking about in this episode, I'm putting on your screen. Um, I found a couple pictures out there. One on the left hand side there shows you kind of a little bit of resolution of how the two looks on here. And I think the two means two milligrams. Okay, they didn't specify in the court paperwork and I didn't find it readily, but usually that's what it means on pills when you have a number it's whatever milligram dosage that it is now you can also see the name Xanax on there and then I got another image for you kind of blown up and how you might see it with the two sideways might look kind of weird unless you tip it I just wanted to show you another vantage point of it this these this is the shape of pills we're going to be talking about throughout this episode so when I talk about the pills that he's making in these presses this is what you can imagine is popping out the other side of these machines that I just showed you by the individual that I showed you even previous to that image. Okay, like I said, Customs Border Patrol, they they know some shit's going through the mail, okay? And they know it's drugs. So they're like, hey, listen, we got a lot of shit to deal with. We got Cuban cigars coming in here. We got whole people coming in in other packages. DEA, we need you to get involved. And so they give the DEA this information about this, this pill press that's going through the mail. To this, in, and they trace it to this individual named Stephen Kamano. Now, there's some other stuff going through the mail to him too. There's pill press machine parts. So there's more than just this one pill press. He's getting one whole pill press through the mail and some parts to other pill presses. And that means he probably has additional complete pill presses back at his place in the US already that he's buying parts for. That's not all. So I'm not even gonna say the whole medical name for it, which is, oh, I'll try. Okay, I'll try. Aprazolam, sorry doctors, if I I murdered that, or, you know, um, what am I thinking of? Pharmacy workers, if I murdered that name, I am so, so sorry. Pharmacists, you can correct me all you want. I know I murder these things. I'm going to be calling it Xanax throughout here because that's what Pfizer calls it and what they make. And Xanax is just a lot easier. And when I do the voice to text closed caption for everybody, uh, especially for those that are hard of hearing, Xanax is a lot easier for the computer to uh, compute when it comes out of my mouth. So I'm going to keep saying it that way. So at the end of the day, you, you add all that up. You add, um, well, I, di- I didn't finish. That Xanax, also going through the mail. So the medicine itself is also going through the mail with to the destination where these pill presses are. So you can imagine you start putting two two together. You're like, ah, some hanky shit's going on with Stephen Camano. And this is what starts the whole investigation. So these shipments that the Customs and Border Patrol had highlighted to the DEA They figured out they're going to Champaign, Illinois and out in California. Okay, so that was late 2017 that I was talking about. March 8th, 2018, by this date, agents were actually doing active surveillance outside Kamano's residence at this place called, it's, it's Glenshire Drive in Champaign, Illinois. And I'm not gonna put the full number on there, but if you're watching the video, I'm putting a picture of the house on there, and you'll see the phone number here. So, uh, but I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it out loud. This is the house, okay? And it took me a little bit because Google Maps, sometimes you put it in, and it's like, it's this house. And I look at it, and I'm like, well, no, that's not the number. And then you kind of have to walk up and down the street with Google and look around a little bit and go, oh, that's the number. I can actually see it on the house. This is the house. I know this because I looked at the fucking physical number on the house and this is this is the one now somebody else owns this house at the time this picture was taken by google i tried to pick a time when he owned it and google didn't have a picture in their database of that it was clearly after he owned it and most likely before he owned it and i didn't want to you know do pictures of anybody else so just know when i'm showing you this picture and i'm going to crack the next joke here this is of future owners and not Steven Camano's. Now, if you're watching video, now I, I, I push this stuff out in 4K. So if you're watching on desktop or on your phone that's got really good resolution, fucking stream in 4K. Because if you if you scroll in or zoom in on this house, there's actual icicles hanging down. And I was like, when I looked at this picture, I was like, why are there icicles hanging off this? They must not take in their Christmas decoration. And it is clearly summer here. Clearly summer. G- grass is growing. In fact, I think it says August 2023 on Google's picture up there. So, you know, these, I don't know if they're so fucking hardcore with their Christmas decorations that they're just like, we're gonna leave these sons of bitches up all year round and (laughs) don't look outside because they're gonna be twinkling in the middle of August or they're just kind of like me and my wife and we just kind of leave things outside way longer than we should. Who knows? But that was immediately the first thing that I noticed in this picture. Okay, so now... There's active surveillance going on at this house on March 8th of 2018. They notice at 10 a.m. in the morning, Kamana leaves his residence, and he leaves in a 2017 blue Toyota RAV4. Now it's 2018, so this car is only a year old back then, so it looked pretty new and sweet back then. So what I'm telling you this now in 2024, or maybe future years, if you back up and watch this, it was a pretty sweet car then, you know, 2017 sounds like nah, now in 2024, but back then pretty sweet. Okay. So what does Kamano do? He stops at a postal, a United States postal service, like a no shit postal drop box, like the blue kind that you probably imagine when you close your eyes and you think of a, uh, a mailbox, this is the kind that he visits. I bet you're wondering, you're like, there's no fucking way that guy knows that it was a blue box just like that. Hold the fuck on, because I found it. I found the goddamn box. I did, I did. I'll show you a picture of it. (laughs) Okay, so he stops at 2012 Round Barn Road at Champaign, Illinois. Okay, he stops there, and you wonder what he's going to do. And immediately I'm getting into this story and I'm, I'm I'm just like, I got to imagine this. Right. So I get on Google and I pull up Google maps and then Google maps is like, Oh, it's like the shopping center. Okay. So first of all, I got to say who has two thumbs up and found this mailbox for you, this son of a bitch. And if you disagree with that statement, you got to go back and listen to season one, episode nine, the rebate Kingpin. All right. So in, in this research, I found the shopping center and it's that you know, if you've been to Google, it's just that dot right in the fucking middle of that picture there. And I was like, all right, I'm, I'm going to find this mailbox for my listeners. So I click on it. And the next thing it shows me is this. like It's a very nondescript strip mall shopping center. And it's got a secretary of state, which is. Oh, we used to have these when I was young. But um, a lot of times now they're called DMVs, Department of Motor Vehicles, secretary of state. Same thing, it's just named differently in other states that I've lived in. So you can imagine the government, they work there, right? I mean, this is a traditional strip mall. There's this Good Vibes place there, which is like this car stereo uh, store and installation place. And there's this eyewear place right next to it. And I'm not gonna show you all the pictures. You could turn to the right in this picture and look all the way down the street and there's a bunch of other strip malls. Some of them are closed. But the important thing was, I'm like, where the fuck is this, this mailbox? And I'm looking at the Secretary of State, right? Because you would think if you want to go get it, drop some mail off at this address, which is where Stephen Kamano was, you would go to the Secretary of State because that's a government building. No. Here's another picture. If you turn all the way around backwards, that's the mailbox. So, this mailbox, this is where Stephen Kamano stopped. He stopped right here, right after he left his house. And investigators are watching him. And what do you think he does at this mailbox that I spent all that time finding for you? He takes some manila envelopes out of his car, I guess, and maybe out of his pocket, I don't know, and just kind of looks around and drops them in the mailbox and takes off. So now agents, they're probably like, Oh, fuck. All right. Well, Kamano took off, but he obviously put something in the mailbox. So we got we to gotta figure out what the fuck it was he dropped. Okay. So there's this, like, agent process behind the scene where they get a whole postal and postal comes out and unlocks the box for them and all that kind of stuff. And they look in there and they go, the only thing in here that fits what we saw was 33 yellow manila envelopes. And these are the, the traditional office you know, note-sized, full size letter uh, mailing envelopes, the yellow ones that you have seen. And so the agents look at them and they're like, I wonder who the fuck these are going to and who they're from. And they first looked at who they're from, and all of them are addressed from Colin H. Taylor. This name, my friends, this is used several times, so keep this name in mind, Colin Taylor. That's going to pop up a few times. They also looked at the shipping label, which was generated online through a shipping company called EasyPost. Okay, and I, when you go to this place and you set up an account and you start shipping packages through them, you have an account number. And when they looked at the account number across all these Manila envelopes, ends up being the same account number. I'll say it once for you, and then later on I'm just gonna keep saying Easy Post. It's C26321. Later on, I'm just going to say the easy post account number. Okay. Again, numbers don't really matter in these cases. We want to figure out what the hell he did. So now, agents, they observed that one of the 33 packages was addressed to an individual in St. Louis, Missouri. So law enforcement later obtained consent from the individual that this was addressed to. To open that package. Hold that thought for a second. Because I have a thought on that. So they open it up. They get consent from the recipient. And they open it up. And it's a clear plastic vacuum sealed bag. Okay. And it has these white elongated pills. Remember the pills I showed you earlier. With the 2 and the Xanax. They're long. Just like these. And they're marked Xanax. And the number 2. Just like I showed you in the pictures. So... When they when they weighed it, it ended up weighing 335 grams, which sounds like a lot of fucking pills. I when I get my, I'm an old man, so I get pills, right? When I go to the to the pharmacist, I get maybe 90 pills at a time, maybe. Well, I guess 90-day supply. So at worst, what times three? So 270 pills tops. I bet you it does not weigh 330. Five grams when you weigh one of those 90-day supplies of three pills each. I, I can't imagine it even gets close. So the recipient, there's fucking drugs in there, right? So the government's not going to be like, uh, here's your drugs. They, they keep it. They seize this package from them. And then for a moment, I was like, why did the recipient give consent to open it, right? If that was Keith Jones, if that was my name on there, and I knew there were Xanax pills. I'd have been like, uh, what fucking package? I have no idea what you're talking about, right? I wouldn't give consent. I'd be like, I, there's a package coming through the mail and I don't know what it is. Or maybe, maybe Keith Jones, knowing that Xanax was coming to him, would say, I don't know what, there's no package coming to me. I, I have no idea. And then the agents would be like, do you mind if we open it? And I'd be like, of course, I had no idea what's coming to me. Go go ahead and open it. And they'd open it and say, oh, this is Xanax, Keith. And I would be like, I'm so shocked. I'm so shocked you found Xanax in there. And maybe that's my cover story. I'm not a criminal. So sometimes I just got to, when the court documents don't tell you, I got to tell you what my idea might be in these cases. Okay. So like I said, Xanax pills in there, definite Xanax pills in there. This was not an isolated incident, okay? I'm gonna give you the details of the first one and I'm not gonna give you all the details every time there's an incident. That was the detailed explanation. So there are other mail drops and I'm gonna talk to you about these just generally, okay? You can imagine very, very similar. In the envelopes, you have names in there of the same name. Oh gosh, what was it? Uh, I think it was Colin Taylor. I don't have it in front of me. There's gonna be another name that shows up too these two names are going to, they're going to show up in all these mail drops. So there is a mail carrier. Okay. That basically at some point makes a statement or makes a, a complaint and says, Hey, there's a whole bunch of these manila envelopes that have been deposited into other postal drop boxes in the vicinity of Matisse Avenue and Kirby Avenue in Champaign, Illinois. Now this is the part I had to highlight because this is the part where I sat back in my chair, okay? Just hold on for a second. (laughs) This blew my mind. Each day for more than a year. Okay, so we saw 33 packages, these manila envelopes, landing in one box on one day. Imagine the same thing happening each day for more than a year. The mail carrier, just in their estimation, they said, hey, uh... God, if I think back on it, it's been a fucking year and nobody's listened to me. But hey, if I think back on it, it was about 50 to 100 packages per day being deposited there. Okay, so I sat down this for a second. I was like, holy shit, let's do some math, right? Let's just, I'm going to pick up a calculator, do some math. 365 days a year, 50, and we'll do times 50, and then we'll do times 100, and we'll see what that range is. So that range of packages in a year is between 18,250 packages on the low side and 36,500 packages on the high side. Oh my fucking God, that's a lot of packages, okay? Even on the low side, 18,000 packages in a year? Holy Jesus. Maybe. Maybe the sender took weekends and holidays off and we can subtract there. But I'm still, it's got to be over 10,000 packages. Even if you subtract that, right? its It's got to be a lot of packages. You just, oh my gosh. So that was one set of boxes. Okay, so I've only introduced you to one incident in one box. And now I introduce you to a year's activity in another set of boxes. Okay, let's drill in. Let's drill in on this set of boxes for a second. This mail carrier, he made a complaint. Okay. And I, I'm sorry. I know I I poke fun at everything. I try, life is hard, right? You gotta poke fun at the tough stuff and this is tough stuff. So let's poke fun at this a little bit. And I imagine this mail carrier who said they made a formal complaint in March of 2017. And this complaint wasn't like, hey, I think there's drugs being sent through the mail. We really need to take a look at this. There's, There could be people dying. No, the complaint to management was the quantity of manila envelopes going through the mail has made their collection duties very difficult to complete. <laughs> so, so not, holy shit, there could be drugs going through the mail. It was, there's too many goddamn packages. I can't deliver all this shit. I just can't deliver all this shit. And so immediately my mind went, Fucking Newman on Seinfeld. So immediately, I'm sorry if you're the postal person here and you're listening to this. I am so sorry, but in my mind, in my mind, you are now Newman complaining about the packages that you don't want to deliver because there's so many of them. And I agree with you. We just did the math. It was like 18 to 36 thousand a year. That's a lot of fucking packages. Who would want to deliver that? I I agree with you. You should complain. Okay. So in this case, this event had a different name. It wasn't the Colin Taylor that we talked about earlier. It's Sharon Lee. Okay, that's the second name that you're gonna see on these collection of packages. But, but the shipping labels were still created by EasyPost using that same account number. Okay, that account number becomes a common theme throughout this whole crime, okay? So it doesn't really matter what else he does, like change his name to Sharon Lee. He's like, I'll oh, make it a girl. Nobody will catch me now. Well, then he uses the same fucking account number everywhere in this crime. So all the cops have to do is go, uh, well, it doesn't matter that the name is Sharon Lee. It's paid for by the same account, which eventually we will see is tied to Stephen Kamano. Okay. All right, so one more tidbit, right? So Newman's complaining at this point. is like, there's too many goddamn, I can't, there's too much to deliver. And then he says, not only can I not deliver it, there's a fictitious person as the sender here. So we're going to need that shit all corrected if you want me to deliver it. So he went to the point, or at least the postal service went to the point of figuring out this was not a legit place sending tons of manila envelopes. This is a fictitious place, sending tons of manila envelopes. And I don't know, if I was on the route, at this point I would go, oh shit, what's in here? Probably drugs or, you know, something bad, right? Right? So we're gonna fast forward to another event. So we're gonna leave those two events in the dust and we're gonna talk about another shipment. This is February 21st of 2018. And this is what I'm calling the return sender dilemma. And this is when you put a realistic person on your package as the person that sent something, but the person on the other end either doesn't receive it because the mail fucked up or because they go, there might be drugs in here and, or maybe they changed their mind. They knew there was drugs in there. And they're like, oh, I don't want them because they were scared. Or maybe it's legit a person going, why did I get sent this? And it wasn't them and they send it back. Well, it's gotta go back to the original spot, right? And if you fake the person on that package as the sender, the real package is gonna go back to that person that you put on there as the fake person. So when this happens, when you got, you have tens of thousands of packages, you know, at some point the mail is gonna look at that and go, is that a one? or an L we can't tell. And they will send it back to the originator going, you gotta, you gotta fix this shit, right? That's, that's what the male people do. So these real packages of drugs now are coming back to some of the senders that weren't the real senders. And there's this one person that I'm just going to talk. Their initials is TA. Okay. TA. So TA gets one of these packages and it says return to sender on it. And she's like, huh, and now I consider T.A. a victim here. Now I know their address because it's in the court paperwork. I'm not going to show you a picture of this where it happens because I consider her a victim so far because I didn't see that she actually ordered any of this stuff. So I'm not going to show you a picture of where it landed, but T.A. gets this package. She looks at it and goes, I didn't order this. Well, at this point later on, she tells the, the sheriff, she goes, I didn't send any boxes and I got this thing back. So I decided to open one and check out what was in here. Now, TA has some guts. Now, if I started seeing shit show up at my house that said that I sent it, I don't know if I'd want to be opening it because immediately I'd be like, there's going to be a head inside. Well, I guess these are manila envelopes, so it'd have to be a real small head to put in a manila envelope. But any, any package, any package, I'd be afraid to open it if it said, if I saw myself as a sender. And I knew I didn't send it. Okay. That would be going to law enforcement fucking immediately in my house. But TA opened it. And she goes, there's Xanax in here. I didn't. What What? is this shit? And she goes to the police and she's like, you guys need to take this. Fuck that shit. I don't want that in my house. That's a whole bunch of Xanax. And it was. It was a whole bunch of Xanax that purportedly she sent to somebody. And because it bounce back, she got it. And this is another one of those. Incidents where the, the police can then start to put in their investigation against Stephen Camano. Now, they took a look at these, box, these boxes and middle envelopes, and they look at them and they go, huh, same easy post account number this dummy has been putting on everything else. God, I hope he doesn't know that we're tracking him through this fucking account number everywhere because we're going to be able to put this <laughs> picture together easily if he doesn't change this account number. It was the same one. He used the same names, Colin Taylor. He used Sharon Lee. So everything was the same where they could start piecing all these distribution of Xanax to Stephen Camano. And this is important because in the U.S., if you're not from the U.S., I'm going to explain this to you. There are different levels you can be charged at if you're caught with drugs. There's basically like a user level where it's kind of like it's, you know, if they find a couple pills, they go, Hey, are you using this? And it's like, yeah, it was my pills. It was only like three, right? That's one level. The next level is the dealer level. And that might be, and I'm just making these numbers up, but you might have maybe a hundred pills because you're selling to a bunch of individuals and making money. And then there's the trafficker. And the trafficker is when you start dealing with things like thousands of pills. And you're going to hear thousands of pills later on this is the level we're dealing with with Steven Kamano with the drug distribution. It wasn't, it wasn't that he was a a college and I I say this loosely and just kind of jokingly, but the college student trying to make money because you know, on the side selling drugs, right? Like I'm thinking back in my day, it was more like somebody selling weed in Michigan, which was weed was legal everywhere when I went to college. But, I'm like, okay, maybe Steven Camano is that college student trying to sell drugs? No, he is selling thousands of pills. He is making his own pills. He is a trafficker, okay, a trafficker. So from this point forward, think of this when I'm describing these events to you. And now mind you, he's using all the same names, all the same account numbers. So law enforcement, they're just piecing all this stuff together. And right now they're in a passive mode. OK, they're in a passive mode where they're kind of getting the information that's going through the mail and piecing things together. OK, but later on, they're going to be do- getting a little more hands on and they're going to be doing cl- controlled deliveries and stuff. And that's where I'm going with this. So now this Xanax package that they got through these return senders, when it, law enforcement start looking at them, they go, well, fuck, that's not right. These these markings on them. That, hey, Bob, are those a little lighter to you? And Bob looks at them and goes, Yeah, yeah, those are definitely those are lighter than the usual Xanax. And those police officers, they're they have a keen eye, especially those those D agents. They have a keen eye. They look at that shit and they go, Yeah, those are fake. Those are fake Xanax pills. And now I'm starting to think, and my mind's going crazy in this research of this case. I'm thinking. Why does he need to fake the pills? Now I can guess they didn't say in the court paperwork why he needs to fake the pills. I think maybe it was to stretch his dollar. Maybe he bought some cheap cutting agent. He bought some Xanax and he said, I'm going to make two milligram pills that are actually one milligram pills and make more money because people want more pills and you know it'll it'll look more to the user, but they're just getting like baking soda or some kind of cutting agent that isn't Xanax. That's what I thought maybe was the reason he was using to make these fake Xanax pills. But then here's an unanswered question I'm not able to answer for you. How was he able to make the Xanax markings? I imagine there's some kind of tooling you need with the word Xanax on it and the number two that you have to buy for your pill press to press it into the pills. How did he get that? I can't imagine you can buy that on the street like you can with that press that I showed you made in China earlier. So all these things are things I think about when I do the research that, you know, you can think about. I don't have answers to them yet. So um, March 27th of 2018, they test these pills because it could be anything, right? I mean, nowadays, if you buy some white pill, it could be fentanyl. It could be all baking soda and then just a little bit of fentanyl. And then that way the user has it and fentanyl hits you so hard that they're like, wow, that was really good Xanax. And really you weren't on a benzodiazepine like a Xanax bar. You were on an opiate like fentanyl and you had no idea. So because of that, law enforcement, they do that check. They crush some up and put it through the test. And they said, uh, we're, we're pretty sure, I, specifically more than 95% sure, these 83,000 pills. Yes, I know. And you're like, that's a lot of pills. No, it was actually more than 83,000. It was 83,538 pills are Xanax. So this guy is seriously trafficking Xanax, okay? He's on the high end, high end of drug distribution at this point when you're talking almost 100,000 pills in just one testing session. Now, at this point, law enforcement's like, there's a lot of pills going by. Let's take that easy post account number and see what else is being sent through the mail. Because apparently this is a common fucking thread to this criminal to use this one account. So let's see what else this one account is sending. And they find that this place or this easy account, I keep saying easy account, easy post account number has sent pills more pills to cleveland okay now the resident end up turning it over and had no knowledge of this parcel and it again it originated in illinois surprise surprise that's where stephen camano is this parcel itself it was on the light side it only had over 1000 xanax pills so a lot not He's not getting something from you know the pillpack.com or whatever the Amazon thing is to send you your pharmacy through the mail. This is definitely illicit drugs going through the mail, a thousand pills at a time, probably two milligrams per pill. And then later on, they crushed them up, they test it, and they're like, Yep, yep, definitely Xanax, definitely Xanax. It looks like Xanax. And Xanax is in, in these white pills that we see in these packages. And again, you know, they, the investigators, they look at this easy post account numbers and they find more packages going to other addresses in Cleveland, Ohio, you know, they had the name Colin Taylor on there. There was, um, uh, they're all sent from Champaign, Illinois, or Urb- Ur- Urbana, Illinois, which I understand are pretty close to each other, but it is that account itself that investigators are starting to use to go, Oh. Well, there's a shipment of Xanax. There's a shipment of Xanax because they can just go to the EasyPost account. And if you're not familiar with it, you can actually go to the U.S. mailing system and say, this is the address I own. And I want to see pictures of all my mail that I'm getting today. They've got systems in place to do that. And I can imagine an investigator somewhere sat down and said, go through the pictures and find the account numbers. Uh, where Easy Post has sent this account, this account number that I keep talking about, this Easy Post account number. Show me all the labels where this Easy Post account number shows up. And I imagine there's some computerized process behind the scene where it's like, bing, and it's like these 40 packages. And they go, oh, okay, well, it's these 40 packages going to Cleveland, Ohio that we need to check for Xanax. That's a point where we're stopping in this case because we're going to put a pause here. We're, This case is actually a little longer than I thought it was going to be. So we're going to do this in two acts. Okay. That was act number one. Okay. You got to meet Steven Kamano act number two, which I'm going to release tomorrow. That's going to be act number two, the controlled delivery. This is where law enforcement gets their, you know, they, they, they go active in the investigation. They don't have to sit back and watch what's going through the mail anymore they're gonna actually do a controlled delivery, which is gonna to lead to the whole big investigation that's gonna lead to, to Steven Kamano in the end. So the whole second act, that's gonna be whole law enforcement going to court and how he's punished and all that great stuff. So hope you come back and join me tomorrow in act two, the controlled delivery. And before you leave, please remember, like, subscribe, thumbs up, follow whatever it is on your application that you're watching me on. I truly appreciate it. That just gets this video and audio in front of other people that will enjoy electronic true crime podcasts where the guy is not super serious. So with that, I hope you come back tomorrow and I will enjoy finishing this case out in act Two, the controlled delivery. All right. Thanks. Bye.